0: Uh, And one of the things that uh, as I read through the Bible, I try to read through the New Testament a couple of times a year at least. And um, but I read it in a different translation every time I read it. So I'm I'm reading uh, the Geneva translation and the Geneva translation actually came about before the King James translation. So in Geneva, Switzerland, they put together an English translation uh, and it was a very popular translation for a lot of years. In fact, the pilgrims, when they came over to the United States. They used the uh, the Geneva translation because they came over before, uh, you know, the the King James was even translated. Uh, I guess anybody know when the Pilgrims came to America? Who's who's their history buff, right? Uh, well, it's probably well 1492 is when Columbus came, right? Uh, so, uh, but anyway, that um, didn't mean to spring that history question on you guys there. But uh, uh, whenever they got over here with uh, the Mayflower, um, they brought the Geneva Bible with them, and uh, you know a lot of the a lot of the early English translations were actually you know, added on from what Tyndale William Tyndale had done many years before that, and a lot of the a lot of the King James verses that we read, a lot of the other translations that we read came from William Tyndale, uh, who was a great Bible translator. But then they killed him because well we can't have the Bible in English, and you know back then it was a big deal, right? Uh, they didn't want the Bible to be done in English because we sure don't want people to actually know what the Bible says, right? If we can just speak, speak it in Latin, then nobody actually knows what it really says. And so, you know, it was all about controlling the, the uh, unlearned masses, right? And so it was a, a terrible uh, blight on the Christian church that they would do that. Um, and so, but anyway, so the Geneva translation was was actually produced in Geneva, Switzerland. Uh, and it was really way more popular than the King James for a long time until uh, the British started uh persecuting people for having any translation other than the king james and at one time um you know you could be arrested for having some other translation other than the king james translation which is kind of how the king james became so popular not necessarily because it was the very best translation i mean it's pretty good uh but um you know if you start shooting people for reading something other than than what you wanted to read uh your book tends to become more popular right and so uh now, we haven't tried that with any of our books, you know, but um, uh, and so anyway, but the Geneva translation is a pretty good translation and and, um, uh, and it, you know, just reading it, it's probably 90 percent the King James, you know, and I know there are some churches who are King James only churches and uh, which is really kind of funny because it's sixteen hundred years after Jesus was raised from the dead. Right. So what was there before that? Right. I mean, they, they weren't allowed to read anything, you know, so. Uh, the only uh, true translation is the uh, or the only true word of God is the original Greek and Hebrew of all the original documents, which we probably don't have any of the actual original documents. So anyway, small wars are fought over that. It's a waste of time. Um, and so. Uh, but I wanted to read uh, Romans chapter six the, the King James says in verse 13 says uh, neither yield. Ye your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Uh, So that's the the King James Version, the Geneva Translation version of that says, Neither give your members as weapons of unrighteousness unto sin, but give yourselves unto God as they that are alive from the dead and give your members as weapons of righteousness unto God. Uh, and so that just brings out a little bit more of the intensity of what we're supposed to do with our physical bodies right Uh, and so the king james says instruments of righteousness uh, but the geneva translation says weapons of righteousness Uh, and so you know that that means there's there's an intensity of of what we're supposed to do uh, in the area of righteousness right to use our physical bodies and all that we are to advance righteousness in a very determined way you know and so So, you know, I found them in my own personal uh, studies of the Word of God, it's helpful for me to read other translations because the translators will bring out, you know, nuances and things that uh, uh, it's hard to constrain a thought to a single word, right, or an idea to a single word. And so when you're translating from one language to another language, it's hard to get everything that the original writers tried to convey by you just using a different word than they used. And so uh, I found it helpful to look to see what other translators had done. Uh, and if, so if you ever get a chance, I'd encourage you. The Geneva translation is actually pretty good. And um, uh, they actually incorporated a lot of uh, notes and uh, study information along with that translation. And the uh, the most common one that you'll find, it was completed in 1599, which was you know 12 years before the King James was actually translated, right? So uh, anyway, that's your studies for uh, Bible history today, right? So... Uh, But uh, uh, it says, give your members as weapons of righteousness unto God. Amen. Uh, And so, and one of these days, we're going to try and get all these other translations up. uh, Well, there it is. So, is that what it says? Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. So, you see where it says G U G I U E? So, that's kind of old English uh, transliteration there. So, um, we'll get all those up there at some point in time so you can see them as well. Uh, but praise God. Well, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. honor you, Father, and you alone. We thank you for your bigness and goodness, Father. We thank you that you're great and mighty, Father. And, Father, not just in, in your word, Father, in the Bible, you're great and mighty in our lives. You restore and heal and protect, Father, and comfort and counsel us, Father. You're the great God who lives on the inside of us. Father, we are carriers of that greatness. So, Father, that makes us great. Great in the earth, Father. To help the lost to show their way, Father, to heaven. To help those, Father, of our brothers and sisters who don't know that you're a good God, who don't know that you're a saving God, and a protecting God, and a healing God. Father, we will carry your power to them and show them, Father, and recover them restore them, Father, and show them how good and kind you are. You're worthy, Father, of all praise. Worthy, Father, for us to lift up our voices and to declare how good you are. Father, we thank you. You're so kind to us, Father. Father, we thank you that you are the on-time God. You're never late, Father. You're never behind. Father, you you, you are ever present in a time of need, Father. And you have never left us. And you've never forsaken us, Father. You're always on time. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being good and kind to us, Father. You're merciful. Worthy of all praise. And Father, we thank you. Thank you for that goodness, Father, and mercy. Jesus name, Amen. You know the Bible says that times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord, and that's one of the things that uh, uh, it's easy to get in the presence of the Lord uh, in corporate praise and worship. Amen. Uh, you can get into the presence of the Lord all by yourself. Uh, it's a little easier when you come to church, though. Amen. And um, and so that's one of the great benefits of gathering together as His people Uh, in worshiping him because he says, first of all, that he inhabits the praises of his people. Uh, And so if he does, then then anytime we worship him, he comes into our midst and manifests himself. Amen. Uh, And so, uh, you know, a lot of times we get out in the world and get uh, dealing with worldly things and lives and mowing the grass and, you know, cleaning the kitchen and all that stuff. And and, uh, it's good to be refreshed. Amen. It's good to be refreshed in his in his pre, in his presence and by his spirit. And so we thank God for that. Amen. I thank God that he's real. And, and um, you know, for me, the Lord is very real in my life. He's real in every aspect of my life and every day and, and everywhere I go um, and all that I do. He He's real in my life. Uh, and uh, And I thank God that he is. Amen. He's not just a God I read about and, and study and collect knowledge and facts about. Uh, you know, that's, we tried to do that with the pilgrims, and we weren't very successful earlier, right? Just read facts about the pilgrims, right? Uh, and so, uh, but uh, the Lord's real. He's, he's really uh, active in our lives, or He could be, or He should be, amen? Uh, and um, uh, I would encourage you always to develop a, a strong relationship with the Father in your life, you know, to make sure that you're aware of His presence aware of his desire for your life because he only wants good things for you. Amen. Uh, And so. So we have been uh, teaching on, you know, how how can you know the will of God in your life? Uh, And I know a lot of Christians uh, oftentimes will suffer in that. You know, they they'll almost wander through life. Just I just don't know what the Lord wants me to do. I just don't know what the Lord wants me to do. Uh, And but I and I have observed many Christians that they will they will do something for a season and they'll be unhappy. So instead of spending time, you know, the Bible talks about waiting upon the Lord, right? And waiting upon the Lord is just spending time in prayer in His presence. And then sometimes it's being quiet and waiting for Him to instruct and to teach and to, and to guide and direct. Uh, and instead of doing that, spending that time to do that, what they'll do a lot of times, they'll just start changing natural things. They'll move to a different city, they'll buy a different house, they'll buy a different car. Sometimes they'll buy a different wife, you know, whatever it takes, right? Sometimes they'll just keep on changing things, hoping that they'll find the will of God. Uh, and, and it's just throwing darts at the wall, right? You, you hope that you hit a bullseye, but you don't really know. Uh, and a lot of the church lives that way. They, they never live with the knowledge that what they're doing is the perfect will of God. And from my reading of the word of God, we have every right and privilege to be able to know that whatever we're doing, uh, we have the capacity to do the perfect will of God in our life. Because we're going to get judged by the Lord, aren't we? Didn't he say he's going to judge everything we do, right, in the body? Uh, well, it would be kind of unfair and unjust for him to to judge us for things that we had no idea that we were supposed to do. Well, why didn't you do that? Well, Lord, did you tell me to do that? No. Well, well then why are you judging me for that? Wouldn't it be an unjust God to, I mean, it'd be like, you know, all the courts and all the police uh, arresting us and finding us for laws that, that uh, uh, they didn't even write on the books. You know, I mean, if it's written on the books, then then they say, well, you're, you know, ignorance of the law is no excuse. But if they didn't write it on the books, then they still arrested you and fined you for that. That'd be kind of unjust, wouldn't it? And the same thing, if the Lord has it written upon your heart what He, what he wants for you specifically to do in this life, He would be an unjust God to judge you in that, wouldn't He? Uh, and, and of course, He's not an unjust God, and He does declare that we can know His will. But a lot of times, the, the church will say things well. you can never know the will of God. And, uh, and, of course, I know, I'm sure it's not everybody, but many times people will say things, and, and what their hope is that if I say this, then that'll get me off the hook from doing what the Word says, right? Remember what the man said there, we read in, in the book of Matthew, the man with the one talent said, uh, Lord, you're a, hard, you're a hard man. Is the Lord a hard man? He, he's not a hard man. Uh, the second part of what he said that he, he reaps where he doesn't sow that was true because the Lord said that he repeated that. He said, you're correct. I do reap where I don't sow. But why is that? Well, because he's in charge. And, and we're the ones sowing and he's doing the reaping, right? We're here on this earth sowing into people's lives. And as the, he has every right and privilege to reap from that, doesn't he? Uh, and, of course, some people get jealous for that. Well, I want to be, you know, the one who reaps. Well, then become God somehow, right? I guess, you know, if you want that role. Uh, but, uh, no, the Lord... The Lord um, has put in our hearts what he wants us to do in this life and we shouldn't we should not try to make uh, some excuse Uh, and really the way the man made the excuse was he lied upon the lord the lord you're a hard man and and you know a lot of times people will say things and it's not even true what they're saying about the lord but they're saying it with the purpose of of removing the responsibility of what the lord's called us to do uh, and again, it goes back to if you really believe God's good, and I, be, I believe all, with all that's in me that he's good, why wouldn't we want to yield to the will of God? Uh, and, I, and I hear so many Christians with the attitude, well, I want to do what I want to do. And they're, they're almost mad about it. I want to do what I want to do. And, and really, what they're, they're not being clear what they're saying because what they're really saying is I want to do what my flesh wants to do. Because your spirit man always wants to do what the will of God is. Amen? Your spirit man always wants to do what God wants you to do. Never conflict with your spirit man. In fact, all of your life, you'll never have a conflict with your spirit and the spirit of God. The only conflict you'll ever have with the Lord is from your flesh. Uh, and, you're in, and 1 Corinthians 14 says there are many voices in the world and none without signification. And one of the greatest voices is the voice of your flesh. Well, I want to do what I want to do. Anytime I hear that, you know, all I hear is flesh, 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 flesh. You know, they'll think they're being, you know, they're, they're being, uh, I, well, I don't know what they think they're being, you know, but to me they're just being plain of rebellion, right? It's just, uh, 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 and in fact, I had a uh, fellow stop by the church many years ago and I'd known a fellow for years uh, and, and he was talking to me about, he wanted to ask me about some books, you know, that uh, we'd written and how to get them published and, uh, and, and, but right just talking to him, right? He said, I want to, you know, because he had told me that, uh, I asked him one time, well, where do you go to church? He goes, well, I don't go to church anywhere. So I, I get up every Sunday morning and the Lord tells me where he wants me to go to church. Sometimes he tells me just stay home. Now, you mean the head of the church who created this thing right here says don't go to that thing that he created. Now, now why would he do that? You know, that's, that's ignorance gone to seed. You know, Brother Hagen always said. Um, and so he was of the opinion he just basically just does whatever he wants to do, right? I get up. And, you know, if the Lord, if the Spirit of God moves me, you know, I will come and bless you with my presence. Right. Uh, but as he's talking, just the Spirit of God rose up in me. And, and I could hardly hear what he said, because he kept saying in my heart, the Spirit of God kept saying to me, rebellion, rebellion. Every time he said something, rebellion, rebellion. Now, I never said anything to him about it, but that's all I heard was rebellion. Rebe- I want to do what I want to do. Rebellion. Uh, and, and how many times have we have we suffered from that same fault in the church? I want to do what I want to do. And it's just, you know, if, if that's if if that's your statement, I want to do what I want. You will never be a happy person because the, the spirit in you always longs to do the will of God, always longs to do what he wants you to do. And there's joy in what he wants you to do. Uh, and and uh, I think the issue really is if you really knew the Lord, you'd trust him. Uh, if you really knew him. right? I trust him that anything he asked me to do, there's joy in that, you know. I mean, he asked us to move where we got married. You know, in um, in a different county here in Tennessee. Had all of our kids in that county. You know, went to church there for 20 years in a county, and uh, and loved it. We loved where we live. We loved the city. We loved everything about it. And the Lord said, "Move here." Uh, and you know, this is a much smaller town. And um, I mean, you know, throw a rock and you hit three nice places to eat here. You throw a rock in Dayton, you 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 hit three nice Mexican restaurants to eat here, right? Uh, you know they love Mexican restaurants here in Dayton, and I love Mexican restaurants. You know, uh, we've tried them all, and uh, and I think they're all pretty good. Uh, but you know, there's just a lot of things. You know, it's a bigger city, and and um, uh, but as soon as the Lord said to move here, the grace to stay there was gone. We were, we couldn't get out of there fast enough. And We love living there, but but once he said to go, we couldn't leave fast enough. Uh, and, and and although we love being there, we have we we go go through there every now and then, go in different places. There's never a. a Wow, I wish we were back here. You know, that's what the, remember the children of Israel when they left Egypt? How many have said we had it better in Egypt? So, right now, they were completely free to, to do their own thing, but when they were in Egypt, they were slaves and, and had no freedom, right? Told what to do, gave, you know, gave requirements for how much work they had to complete every day, uh, and, and couldn't come and go as they pleased. Uh, and, but they liked that, it was better. Uh, and, you know, there are there are times when people just, you know, uh, they just want to be told what to do. Right. But you think that people like that would be easy to follow the will of God. But usually they just want to define it with uh, whatever their, their flesh says. Uh, and so you, you've got to get that conflict resolved in your heart. And that's a great conflict that most Christians will have is I want to do what I want to do. You know, the Lord's not opposed to you being happy. You know that I mean, how many times has the Bible said blessed, 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 blessed? You know, one of the definitions of blessed means to be happy. Right. He is not, he's not opposed to his children being happy. In fact, he, he's declared many times he wants us to be happy. That's news for a lot of Christians, you know. Some Christians are just mean and grumpy and mad all the time. And, and you just wonder why, you know. And they get to the thumping their Bibles and, and saying all kinds of harsh things. And No, the Lord desires for you to be full of joy in this life. Amen. Uh, and then, of course, in the next life is going to be even more full of joy, right? I don't know how you get more than full of joy, but uh, it's going to be better, right? So... Uh, if you can resolve that conflict of, well, Lord, I just want to do what you want me to do, whatever it is. See, that's a good, that's a good place to start, right? Remember what we read in, in the book of Hebrews about Jesus? He said, I came to do thy will, O God. And that's really, if you can get to that settled in your heart, Lord, I came to do your will. And that's the end of the discussion. Whatever you want me to do is fine, right? If uh, you want me to stay, I'll stay. If you want me to go, I'll go. Uh, I came to do your will. Uh, and and uh, the only way you can make that successful is if you're willing to be honest, a lot of people say, I'm doing the will of God. No, you're not. You know, you just divorced your wife and you married your neighbor. And, you know, that, ain't. you know, I mean, well, yeah, but she was prettier than my wife. You know, well, you know, OK, we'll give you that. But, you know, it's still not the, the that is that the will of God. You know, it's just a, that's your flesh. Right. Uh, there were a lot of people who would send uh, call up uh, Brother Hagen's, uh school that he had. And said, uh, my wife uh, won't won't go in the ministry with me. Is it okay if I divorce her so I can come to school? (laughs) Uh, No, you know, uh, you got to figure that out on your own, right? Uh, And so, uh, but, uh, and there was many times like that. People say things. I've had people tell me that the Spirit of God spoke to them and said, uh, you need to, you need to go back on your word uh, and and not do what you said you would do, right? They had a a contract with somebody uh, in particular. Uh, and they said I would the, the contract said, well, we'll pay so much every month. Right. And they, they said they got up one day and the spirit of God spoke to him, said, don't pay that anymore. Uh, and, and I'm like, you mean the spirit of God told you to go back on your word? My Bible says that a man should swear to his own hurt and change not. You know, that's what my Bible says. And so, in fact, we're going to look at something here. Maybe we'll get a chance. We'll look at it today, in fact. Um, and so uh, so if you can get that part resolved about, Lord, I want to do what you want to do, then how do you find the will of God? You know, Colossians 1.9 says you can be filled with the real knowledge of his will. So, so that's really, you know, when you get to that point, when you're filled with the knowledge of his will, then you know what to do. Uh, then, you, then it's not a question it's like, oh, I just hope this is God's will. Uh, and I know sometimes it seems tough to find the will of God. But he said he would fill you with the real knowledge of his will. So uh, that means uh, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, right? So all spiritual wisdom and understanding, you'll know the best way to execute his will. Because the will of God, there's always there's always uh, more than one aspect of the will of God. There's the actual thing He wants you to do, but there's also the timing of how He wants you to, or when He wants you to do it. Right? A lot of times people will get out ahead of the Lord. I know I'm supposed to do this, and they'll go start doing it now. The The Lord's like, I never, I never told you to do that. Now I, I was wanting you to prepare so that when my timing was correct, then you'd be ready to do that. And and so a lot of times people will get kind of a maybe just a little inkling of what the Lord wants them to do, and they'll go off and start executing that before the timing of the Lord. And so he said he'd give you the knowledge of his will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You know, here's what to do. Uh, okay, I understand that, right? Here's when to do it. Okay, that's the wisdom of what to do. Amen. Uh, and and so if that's true, then, then how do we get to that point? Well, uh, you know, I think some of the greatest examples are, are uh, from the Old Testament here. Let's turn back to... 1 Samuel, chapter 23. Uh, 1 Samuel, of course, is the story of King David. And, um, you know, David, although he wasn't born again, he has a lot of good aspects of his life that, uh, you know, we can look at the examples of how he did things and uh, follow some of his examples. Amen. Uh, And so here here we are in um, 1 Samuel, chapter 23. Uh, It says in verse 1, Uh, Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Kilah, and they robbed the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Kilah. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we come to Kilah against the armies of the Philistines? So, Uh, So this this uh, these Philistines were attacking this city. Uh, And so, you know, David's a man of war, right? He's a general uh, and and, uh, I mean, he's confident in his ability to wage war. But before he did anything, he asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? I mean, you know, they were being attacked. And so the natural thing would be to would be go to defend them and, and, and rescue them from this attack. But. You know, for David, well, it doesn't matter what the logical thing to do is. Let's find out what the Lord wants to do. See, that's always the best thing to do. Let's find out what the Lord wants to do. Amen. I mean, it would seem obvious to do that, to, to go and and um, and attack uh, this army. But David, you know, was a man after God's own heart. Right. Uh, and so he said uh, the Lord, uh, he went to the Lord and inquired of the Lord. Should I go up there? And the Lord said, go. So so then he tells the guys, hey, OK, we're going to go tack. And the guy's like, well, that's kind of scary. You know, we're not sure we're going to do that. And so what did David do? Well, he went back to the Lord again. Uh, it says in verse four that David inquired, David inquired of the Lord again. And the Lord answered and said, arise, go down to Kilah, for I would deliver the Philistines into thine hand. Now, uh, that's what uh, the Lord has said before. Nothing's changed, right? So did the Lord get upset at David because he just wanted to confirm, just just make one more, one more time for sure, you want us to go down there? Uh, and the Lord said, yeah, I want you to go down there. So, you know, one, one thing we learned, is the Lord still the Lord today? He is, right? Is the Lord going to get upset because, you, Lord, are, are you really sure about that? You know, we can have a relationship with the Lord, right? Lord, are you, I know you said that, but are you really sure you want me to do that? I mean, you know, uh, remember... Uh, uh, we'll get over there to uh, Acts chapter nine. But remember, the Lord told Ananias to go pray for Saul. And Ananias is like, Lord, have you met Saul? I mean, you know, you know what he's like, right? He's a scary guy that's putting everybody in jail, right? Are you sure, Lord? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, of course, the Lord's always sure. And it's kind of a you know, uh, rhetorical question anyway, because you know, uh, the Lord is not going to change his mind. I'm just kidding. I didn't really you to go down to Kyla and attack those guys. You know, I, was, I was just messing with you. The Lord doesn't really do that, right? Uh, But but David inquired him again and the Lord said the exact same thing. So David and his men went to Kilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. And so David saved the inhabitants of of, uh, Kilah there. So the Lord didn't get upset with David. But what did David do? He inquired of the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do right now? What do you want me to do about this situation? And, and, you know, uh, I deal with situations on a, on a on occasion. you know, sometimes as a pastor, sometimes just as, a, as a human being on the earth. Uh, sometimes people will do things against me and say things against me or attack me. And, uh, and when, I, I, when I go to the Lord, uh, I always, you know, first of all, Lord, I ask you to bless them and increase them and protect them and watch over them and, and speak to them and remind them how much you love them. Uh, and then in dealing with the conflict itself, I, I say, Lord, however you want to deal with it, you deal with it however you want to. If you want to have mercy, praise God. You know? If you want to do anything else, and I don't give them a list of anything else, you know, if you want to you know, murder their cat or cause their car to explode, I don't give them any ideas, you know, anything like that. Lord, however you want to deal with it, you, that's fine. Right? I always leave it up to him. You deal with it however you want to. Uh, but uh, I'm going to ask you to have mercy. Uh, and so, so David was successful, right? Uh, and he, he asked of the Lord. Uh, and so that's really, if you want to know the will of God, you know, a lot of times he won't tell you unless you ask him. You know, the Lord never the Lord didn't come to David here at all and said, hey, go down there and do that. David had to go and ask. And the Lord, you know, wants to have a relationship with us. It's a two way. You know, you are a sovereign being in, in a sense that you get to choose every day what you do. Nobody makes you do anything you do. The Lord, uh, even the Lord won't make you do anything. And so a lot of times he will wait on you. You know, we say we're supposed to wait on Lord, but many times he's waiting on us to ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? Uh, how do you want me to handle this? What do you want me to say? Do you want me to go down there? Do you want me to take this job? Do you want me to buy this house? Do you want me to buy this car? And, you know, for a lot of things, it doesn't really matter, you know. But things that could matter, you know, it's, it's always helpful to check in with the Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord what do you want me to do? Uh, I remember uh, years ago, we'd had a, uh, uh, you know, back when our kids were small, by law, you were required to have a minivan, right? So we had a minivan by law. You know, laws that all parents have to have minivans. So we had one. And so, um, uh, but then we were ready to sell it, right? Because uh, Chris really didn't like minivans. And so, um, and you know, uh, we had people in the church come up and go, man, I sure, I've always wanted to have a red minivan, right? Red town and country minivan, right? With a tan leather seats, you know, more than anything else, you know. And, and, and you know, how they hint about stuff like that, right? And, and look, I got no problem giving away cars. You know, we've given away uh, plenty of cars over the years. And if the Lord says, give away, well, I don't care, I'll give it away, you know, but if he doesn't say give it away, <laughs> you know, um, uh, from, from my perspective, see, I'm not going to ask somebody that because if, if the Lord wants them to give it to me, I think he's plenty able to tell them without me hinting around, hey, can you, you know, give that to me? Because just ask, I mean, hey, can I have your car, right? Which would be pretty bold, I guess, but, uh, um, and so, you know, but I'm not under pressure when people do that. So, you know, Lord, I mean, I don't care to give it away, but what do you want me to do? Uh, he said, he said, sell the car, but hang on to the money. Uh, and like, OK, you know, I mean, uh, uh, so but we asked him, right? Lord, what do you want us to do with this vehicle? Because, you know, uh, uh, like I said, we could have given it away. We could have sold it. We could have traded it in, you know, but he said, sell the vehicle. All right, we'll sell the vehicle uh, and say, hang on to the money. Uh, and OK, so no problem. Uh, and so there was one there was uh, one of the uh, high school kids and did, needed some, helped buy a car, and, you know, we sensed the Lord wanted us to give, you know, just a small portion of that money from the sale of our vehicle to help him buy his vehicle, so we did that, uh, but we still had most of the the money left, uh, and then uh, one night, uh, there was another family, uh, they were our age, and, um, uh, and they were really struggling financially, right? They had a couple of small children, uh, and... Um, uh, you know, they were both, uh, well, one was a teacher, and one worked at a small shop, and so, you know, they didn't have a lot of uh, extra income for anything, and they were just really struggling financially, and so uh, one night, the pastor got up and said, well, we're going to receive an offering for uh, this family, uh, and um, uh, like, okay, you know, so so I'm sitting with Chris, and, and um, uh, you know, we're, we're, well, what do we want to do, you know, and so you know, a lot of times uh, saying what you're going to do because uh, you've got to work with the Lord, right? So, well, what if we do this? Uh, and like, well, that doesn't seem like the right number, right? Uh, and so we cut it in half, right? How's that? No, no we didn't cut it in half. Uh, we usually go up, you know, we start somewhere and go up. So, well, what about this? number? That's, that, wasn't the, that wasn't the right number, right? Uh, and, uh, and so finally, we just, you know, we kept going back and forth and, and just because we're to be led by the Spirit of God and do what we sense He's telling us to do, uh, we said, well, why don't we just give the, write a check for the whole thing? Uh, and um, and just in our hearts, like, that's the number, right? So sometimes the number is, is everything, right? Uh, I'm not trying to get any money out of, you know, whatever. This is my story. You leave my story alone, right? This is my story. And so um, so we wrote a check for the, the whole amount, right? Just wrote a check for whatever we sold the vehicle for. Uh, and then later on, of course, you know, we don't want nobody to know, right? But you write a check, right? And so somehow they... I don't know how they found out. They shouldn't have found out, but they found out we'd given that much money, and, and they came up and said, "You know, that was exactly the right amount of money that we needed to get through this period of time." Right? Uh, and of course, did the Lord know that? He did. Did they come and tell us what that number was? No. We we just we found We inquired of the Lord. The Lord, what do you want us to do? Right? Um, and so, uh, well, see, we didn't. Uh, we did what the Lord wanted us to do. Uh, that's what He wanted us to do. Well, it was only. Maybe a, a couple months after that, that my company came to me and said, hey, we're closing your office and all of you have to move to Detroit. Now, I've been to Detroit lots of times, not a place I want to live, right? I mean, you know, you got to shoot your way in, and stab your way out. You know, I mean, it's, it's were the office was. It was like, like right downtown Detroit and just, you know, drug dealers. And I mean, just right in the middle of this, this uh, uh, they call, called it a revitalization zone, the only thing that was revitalized was the office. Everything else around it was still pretty rough, right? And so, um, I had no desire to to move to to Detroit. In fact, you know, we but we did pray about it. Lord, what do you want to do? He said, "Stay." Okay, no then, then, uh, Lord, then you're obligated to take care of the situation, right? You're obligated to to resolve this issue, right? Because here, pretty soon, I'm going to be without a job. And so, at that time, I was doing uh, jail ministry. I'd go a couple of times a week to the jail and would preach and. And so I got up one, one evening preaching to him and said, hey, I find I'm losing my job. Now, what are you going to do? Well, I said, the, uh, the Lord will provide. He said he would take care of me. And so he'll provide me a, a job at least as good as the one that I've got now. Uh, and, um, uh, and so I'd go back every week. Hey, you got a job yet? Nope. I don't have a job yet. And so the, after a while, they said, well, here's, you know, the package deal we're going to give you. You know, if you decide to leave, here's the package, you know, OK, no problem, you know. And about a few weeks after that, they said, now, hang on before you take the package. Uh, we're changing some things and uh, we'll let you know wh- how it changes. And so you know, fast forward, um, they came back and said, well, we decided we're going to double the package if that's OK. And we said, OK, well, I'll twist our arm. You know, if you give us double the double the severance package, you know, then that will be fine. So. So anyway, uh, uh, the, the day that the last day that I left that job was a Friday And then a Monday uh, after that, I started my new job. So the Lord provided us job. It was a better job. You know, it had a better position in a company um, in engineering management. And and it was the last corporate job that I had. Uh, But Chris and I started figuring out that in the in that year, uh, because they doubled their severance, I basically made a double salary that year. Uh, And I believe it all goes back to uh, doing what the Lord said to do. Right. When he said to give that money away, because. You know, I'm thinking, at, when they say I'm going to lose my job, I'm thinking, well, I could have used that money that I just gave away from that van. Wouldn't it be nice to have that money in case you know, I'm out of a job, then I've got that money to fall back on, right? Uh, and there's nothing wrong with doing that, right? Nothing wrong with saving money and things. But if the Lord says to give it away, then you give it away, right? And so we gave it away. But then within the next year, we, and Chris figured it out, that uh, my salary basically doubled in that one year, right? Uh, and I believe it was because of listening to the Lord, amen? And so David did that. Uh, and we're in chapter uh, 23 there. Let's go on down to, uh, to verse 10 in the same chapter. Uh, and, and it says here, Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Kilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Kilah deliver me up into his hands? And will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And so he asked him two questions, right? Is the city going to deliver him? And is Saul going to come down? And what did the Lord say? The Lord said, he will come down. So he didn't answer the other question, did he? He asked two questions. The Lord answered one question. And so what did David do? I guess the Lord didn't want me to know. No, what did David do? He said, then David said, will the men of Kilah deliver me uh, and my men into the hand of Saul? So, uh, and the Lord said, they will deliver thee up. And so then David had to make plans, you know, to avoid that. Right. And so now it's funny because this is a city that David just delivered from the Philistines. Right. He just he just protected him, rescued him from from the army of the Philistines. And they turned their back on him. Uh, uh, you can tell who your good friends are. Right. Uh, and so so David needed to find the will of God. Uh, and so he asked the Lord two questions. Lord, uh, is Saul going to come up and is the city going to deliver me? And, and the Lord said, well, Saul is going to come up. And the Lord didn't, didn't ask, Well, why not? Well, sometimes the Lord asks us to walk in faith and, and to and to be uh, uh, there's an there's an adjective of the Lord that he desires for people of faith to be to never give up and never quit. And if you need an answer, you've got to keep on going back to the Lord. Lord, you, I, I need to know you need to let me know what I want, what I need to do here. And I'll confess his, his promises. Lord, you said you'd fill me with the knowledge of your will. You said, if any of you like wisdom, i would ask of God. Uh, and I just go through all these scriptures and I remind them, well, you, David asked and you told him. And so you can tell me. So, uh, so David asked the Lord two questions. The Lord answered him one. He went back a second time, asked a second question. The Lord answered the second time, right? And so, uh, so if you want to uh, be filled with the real knowledge of his will, you need to start asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do with this money? Lord, what do you want me to do with this vehicle? Lord, what do you want me to do today? Lord, you know, where do you want me to go to church? Lord, what what job do you want me to take? You know, I got job A, job B. Which job do you want me to take? Uh, Lord, wait, uh And look, you know, for a lot of things, it doesn't, it doesn't amount to anything, right? Lord, do you want me to use the Phillips screwdriver or, the, or the, 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 the flathead screwdriver? You know, he's probably, he probably doesn't really have an opinion about that. And, and sometimes he may say, well, just whatever you want to do, right? Uh, if, it's not, if it's not going to amount to anything. But if it's an important thing, like this is kind of important, right? Because uh, uh, David needed to know, do I need to stay or go? Do I need to, to, to be aware that Saul's going to come down and, and, and uh, they're going to throw me under the bus or what? Uh, and so it's helpful to know, amen? So if you want to know, one of the best ways to do is to ask, right? And then your faith is, if I ask, the Lord will answer me. See, that's your faith. Your faith has to be that if I ask, he will answer me. Not by, if all the lights turn red, see, that's a fleece, right? But we live in the New Testament, so he's going to fill you with the real knowledge of his will, right? In your spirit, man, you're going to know what to do. Uh, and, and, you know, how, how will the Lord speak to you? You know, most of the time, the Christian church, he speaks to you by an unction, a witness, a knowing, you know, a knowing in your own spirit. It's not a thus saith the Lord, and the skies part, and thunder rolls, and it's just, you just know. Uh, and that's where your faith has to come in. Lord, you know, I've prayed, and I sincerely have asked you to do this, uh, and, and I ask you to fill me with the knowledge of you, and at some point, you'll have that knowledge in your heart. I just believe with all my heart that this is what you want me to do. And so you have to go and execute that. And, you know, you might miss it once or twice in your life. Uh, but if you're sincere, then the Lord will fill you with that knowledge. And then you have to have faith to do that because it's not going to be an email or a text message or, you know, a Facebook post, something really obvious. It's going to be something that requires a little bit of faith in your part that, Lord, I, I believe you're telling me to do this. I believe this is what you want me to do. So, that, so we inquire of the Lord, right? So uh, we've got a a few minutes. Let's let's turn over to Joshua, uh, chapter nine. And and I just wanted to to uh, read this story because this is there's a I mean we may not even get done with this story but we'll start it anyway right. So Joshua judges right. Uh, So Deuteronomy then then Joshua. So so Joshua chapter nine. So. um, of course moses is dead they're in the promised land now they're they're going through the promised land cleaning up the promised land and doing uh doing all this stuff right uh and so uh let's start um, um let's start in verse three here of joshua chapter nine so and when the inhabitants of gibeon heard what joshua had done unto jericho uh, and to ai They did work wily and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up and old shoes and clouded upon their feet and old garments upon them. And it was and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua under the camp at at Gilgal. Gilgal, and said unto, unto him and to the men of Israel, we be come from a far country. Now, therefore, make ye a league with us. So now the Gibeonites were on the list, right? Remember the list, the Lord gave a list to Joshua. Hey, these guys right here, if they're on the list, they're gone, right? Uh, you go take them out of the, the, they should, uh, the, the land of, of Israel, the promised land. Get rid of them all. You know, kill them all, right? Just get rid of them. Uh, and Gilgal, uh, the Gibeonites were on the list. And of course... Uh, they're, they're sitting back and, and watching, right? I don't know if they had like CNN or something, you know, watching it there and, and, and just, uh, oh yeah, they're gone, they're gone, they're gone, right? They're, they're finding out all these people are gone. Uh, and so they, they, they know, they, you know, they're not dumb. They know, well, then we must be on the list too. And we don't want to be gone. So what they do? Well, now they're just next door, right? They're just in the same, in the same uh, area that, uh, that Joshua's in. But they go and get all dirty, right? They got all dirty and they get some moldy bread and they get all ratty clothes and they show up to, to Joshua, hey, man, we've been traveling a long ways. Really? How long have you been traveling? Well, really just a couple miles, but we want to act like it's a long way, right? And so, and so that's, the, that's the deal, right? Make a league, make a, make a covenant with us. Uh, and so, and the men of Israel said, in verse 7 said unto, unto the Hivites, uh, "Peradventure ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, we are thy servants. And Josh, Joshua said unto them, who are ye, and whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard of the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt. And it's kind of true, but it's not because they want to serve the Lord. They just don't want to get killed by the Lord, right? So, I mean, they're saying the right things, but their motivation is, you know, a little different than what they're actually saying, right? You know, we just don't want to die. We would prefer to live. Uh, and And it says in verse 10, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites and the, that were beyond Jordan, and when Moses was there, and Sihon, the king of uh, Heshbon, and Og, the king of uh, Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals with you, or food with you, unto the journey, and go meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants. Therefore now make a league or a covenant with us. This our bread we took hot. For our provision out of our houses. Not true. On the day we came to go unto you. and But now behold it is dry and it is moldy. And these bottles of wine which which we filled were new. And behold they be rent. And these are garments and our shoes are become old. By reason of the very long journey. None of this is true. Right. They're all making the story up. They just came from you know from Spring City down over here. And, and, and just showed up. And the men took of their victuals. And asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Uh, and so, uh, and that's, that's the problem right there. Right. Verse 14 is the whole problem. And the men took the food. Right. You ever been kind of bribed? Oh, you got a brand new apple pie. Yeah. You know, and don't, let's not ask the Lord about that. Right. Let's we'll just eat the apple pie. Right. Uh, and they asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. You ever had somebody come sing a good song and dance to you? All right. I mean, it sounds good. Lord. It's got to be God. Right. It's got to be God. Uh, and and um, um, uh, there was a story with Brother Hagan, one, one of his famous uh, is one of the visions, you know, in his book, I Believe in Visions. He, he records several of the visions that he had with the Lord Jesus. And and, and so uh, there, there was uh, uh, this was Brother Hagan had been in a ministry for like 30 years and he didn't have his own office. Right. Uh, and so he was thinking, well, I probably should have an office, you know, we're selling these books and tapes and uh, and I should have his some because he'd been doing everything out of his out of his uh, living room. I probably should get an office, you know, and, and, and stuff. And so so he had a guy come to him and brother Hagen, uh, I've got an office space right now. He said, if you'll come, I'll furnish the office space. No charge. I'll hire a secretary. No charge. They'll take care of everything. You know, you just you can use it uh, and um, it'll be great. No charge. Right. All, all the office space and secretarial um, and all the office equipment that you need. I'll, I'll provide it for you. Sounds like a pretty good deal, right? Must be God. Sounds like a good deal. Uh, and, then, and then, of course, the tapes, you know, back then, they were the reel-to-reel tapes, right? And I've, got, I've actually got several of the five-inch reel-to-reel tapes from Brother Hagen from the, from the 60s. Uh, and, uh, and then, of course, they were getting cassette tapes not long after that. And another guy come and say, Brother Hagen, I've got the most advanced duplicating equipment in the country. Nobody's got better equipment than I've got. He said, if you'll let me, I'll duplicate all your tapes for free. No no charge, right? I'll do it all for free. You know, you just send us the masters and we'll, and we'll duplicate everything for you, right? No charge. It's got to be God, right? I mean, it sounds great. Uh, and, and he said, uh, uh, the Lord Jesus appeared to him uh, and was talking about some things. And, of course, it's a long, long discussion because there was a lot more going on than just that. But there was an angel of the Lord there with him in the, in the vision uh, and uh, Brother Hagen said, who's that? And Jesus said, he's an angel of the Lord sent from the throne of God with a message to you. Uh, uh, and so there was a long discussion about, well, is that even biblical? And, of course, it is, right? We see plenty of examples where angels came and said things, right, to people. Uh, remember, an angel took uh, Peter out of jail, right, in the book of Acts right, and said, you stand up, right, get dressed, Peter. So angels would come and tell you things. So if, if the Lord desires that to happen, we don't seek for it, but if it, it's up to the Lord. If he wants to do it that way, then, then fine, you know. Uh, And so so the angel spoke and said, you know, I'm so and so from from the throne of God. And I've come to tell you not to yield to those two men. They have ulterior motives. They'll get a hold of your ministry and and try to take charge of your ministry and 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 take control of of everything that I've uh, that the Lord wants you to do. He said, be patient within so many months, you'll have all the money you need to set up your own office and buy your own equipment. And within those many months, he had everything he he needed to, to do. To open his office and duplicated his uh, his material, but the point of it was, it sounded like a good song and dance, right? Sounded great. sounded Got to be the Lord. I mean, money, right? Hey, I'll 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 give you an offering. Oh, really? What? Uh, no, no strings attached. Well, I mean, you know, not many strings attached, right? And so, um, it's uh, uh, so. What did they do? They did not inquire of the Lord, right? So what did they do? They went and created a covenant with these Gibeonites. And then they find out, we don't have time to go into all the details, read the rest of chapter 9 there, they, they found out that they lied. And they were going to go kill him. And Joshua's like, uh, we already gave our word that, that they can have a covenant with us. We can't go back on our word. Uh, now, uh, is that okay to not go back in your word? It's okay to not go back in your word, right? So just as a follow-up on this, turn, turn over to uh, 2 Samuel 21. So that was in Joshua, right? So you got Joshua, all the books of the Judges, right? Then you got Uh, first Samuel, then you got second Samuel. So then you've got, uh, um, so it's been about 400 years to second Samuel uh, from that story in Joshua. So uh, what I say, second Samuel 21. Yeah, let's go to second Samuel 21 here and then we'll go. I just, I like the story because there's a lot, a lot of, of good information in this story. So they, were, they didn't find out the will of God. See, that was the issue. They assumed the will of God by what they observed in, uh, in front of them. And how many times do we get in trouble by, well, Lord, it looks like a good plan, right? It must be, it must be God. Look at that, right? Uh, and so it says in 2 Samuel 21, verse 1, Then there was a famine in the days of David three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord. Now, my opinion was he should have asked a little sooner than three years. I mean, three years starving, you'd think, you know, why don't you ask? Well, you know, I figured go away eventually. It's three years, right? That's a long time to not ask. But finally, he did inquire of the Lord. And Lord answered, it is for Saul and for his bloody house because he slew the Gibeonites. Now, these are the same guys from from Joshua chapter 9. They've been in league with the nation of Israel. Now, later, at the end of the discussion with Joshua, he said, well, then you're going to be servants. You're going to be hewers of wood and carriers of water. Uh, and so they cut all the wood and carried all the water for, for the Israelites. And they're like, hey, cutting wood is way better than being dead. Right. And that was and they were pretty good with that deal. And so that was the deal. Right. They lived within the nation, the bounds of, of the nation of Israel. And uh, they were servants of the nation of Israel uh, and had been so for 400 years. Because of the covenant that Joshua made with him. Uh, and so, but then Saul came around and goes, these, these Gentiles, you know I'm not having them in my, my country. So what did Saul do? He went and started killing them. And, it, and what happened? A famine came. Why, why did a famine come? Because they got out of the will of God. They had made a covenant with them. And even though they didn't inquire of the Lord, they still made a covenant with them. And so the Lord's like, well, you made the covenant. You got you to gotta stand by it. So now Saul's like, I don't stand by it. I ain't, I ain't doing a covenant 400 years later. And the Lord's like, I had to take my hand off Israel because you violated the covenant that you made with these people. Uh, and now there's a famine because of what you guys did. I didn't put the famine on. It's what you did. You, you violated the covenant that you made with these people. And so you should read the, the rest of that story there. But basically, they had, uh, David went to the Gibe- Gibeonites and said, hey, what do you want? Well, we, we want seven sons of Saul. He killed our sons. We want seven sons of his, and we're going we're gonna to kill him. And they did, right? That was the deal. And then the famine was 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 uh, gone because they got back into the will of God. So, uh, you, you know, part of that the story, I love the story, you know, is why I told the story, really. But uh, uh, but the story is, first of all, always ask the Lord, don't just Lord, I get a raise. It's got to be you. It's not always God. Right. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it's always God. Amen. And, you know, I'm really careful about people wanting to do things in the church, you know, or wanting to you know, give things to the church, you know, any any strings attached, you know, any, you know, have I got to, well, you know, just preach certain things. Well, no, we can't do that, right? In fact, I had somebody say, uh, Pastor, if you answer your question, I'll I'll put a big offering in, in the offering one uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, we don't do that, uh, you know, and I know they didn't, you know, they said that really kind of joking and kind of, you know, they didn't really mean it, uh, but we don't joke about stuff like that. You know, there there's no, uh, you don't get to pick and choose, you know, things like that, right? But, um uh, and so uh, so uh, to me there's a lot of good information in a story. number one, they should have asked, but number two, since they didn't ask and they uh, set up a covenant with them, they were obligated basically till forever. you know there was no time limit on this on this covenant, and, and four hundred years later, the Lord still as far as he's concerned, the covenant is still in effect, right, and it really should be still in effect today, and hopefully the Gibeonites would straighten up and actually become part of the nation of Israel if they wanted to uh, but um, anyway, so I thought that was a good story there so so number one, ask right If you want to know the will of God, ask because because he said, ask him what you 'll be given right so so if you're asking, Lord, I want to know the will of God, what is he' going to give you? the knowledge of the will of God right I mean so he said to do that right and so but if you don't ask, is he going to butt into your business and tell you what to do and say hey don 't do that Now sometimes he might you know he can if he wants to, but but if you're if you're going to be disrespectful to him and not ask the one who knows everything, right, doesn't he know everything? I mean, if you're not going to respect the one who knows everything and, and yield to him uh, by asking, he's really under no obligation to step in if you if you want to make a mess of things. Now, he's kind and merciful, and he, he'll help us get out of a situation maybe. But if you make a covenant like that with the Gibeonites, you know, you may be stuck with that and may have to figure out how the Lord to bless you to overcome that error that you made, right, to have enough money to... To pay that thing that you whatever covenant you had right uh, and so um, you know people get in, involved in, in financial dealings all the time and never ask the Lord and then they get stuck right financially they get stuck and they, and if it, if you'd ask the Lord Lord well, I, I never told you to do that uh, and uh, I mean you know I don't know everything but you could ask me sometimes I'd be glad to tell you right I remember uh, uh, John you got a letter uh, that said you won what two million dollars is that right three million dollars it was like three million dollars I mean it and and look, I mean, usually I can smell that from my eye. Man, it looks real. You looked, it looked real, didn't it, right? It looked real. Uh, and and uh, it said, all you got to do is send like $500. I forget what the number was. Like send, send so much money and, and to, you know, to cover the expenses, right? It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's usually a giveaway right there. But, but the rest of it looked really official. So I actually called the company. They said, we would never do that. that. That's not us. We didn't do that. But, I mean, it, it was, uh, I had to pause at that one, right? Because it, uh, sometimes it looks real, right? Uh, and so, uh, but uh, the Lord desires us to ask, amen? Uh, he knows everything, and he knows the best route of our lives, and he knows how to prosper us more than we'll ever imagine. Uh, and uh, David was so good at that, he inquired of the Lord. And if the Lord didn't answer him exactly the way he needed, he'd ask the Lord, you know, I need to know. I know you answered that, but, I, you know, you didn't answer this part over here. I need this detail, Right? Uh, and, uh, he was just, had such a good way of doing that. Amen. And was very successful for, for many years. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for, for, the word today. So father, we thank you for the word of God and father, we thank you that there's great blessing in following your will and plan. And so father, one of the greatest ways to find your will is simply to ask father, Lord, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do in this situation? What do you want us to do about this circumstance? What do you want to do with this person or this, these finances or this job or whatever the circumstance, Father? If it's of any consequence, uh, we'll, we'll ask, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor that you will show us those things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I've gotten in a habit for me personally that, uh, um, uh, you know, if I'm going to spend any kind of appreciable amount of money, uh, you know, not even a whole lot of money, but sometimes I'll just, I just sense, Lord, it's okay if I spend this money? Um, you know, I've got the money, but, uh, you know, he may want me to give it away or something, you know. And so, Lord, is it okay if I spend this money? Uh, and, and uh, you know, I'll get a, just a, a, a knowing in my heart that it's okay, or sometimes it would be like, no, just hang on to it. Like, okay, then I'll just wait. Well, you know, well, I need it. Uh, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, I had to have whatever that thing is, right? And, and as soon as I hear that, everything, is, everything else after I had to have, all I hear is blah, 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 blah. Because you ain't got to have to have anything, right? Uh, now, that's not very good grammar, I know. But uh, uh, what I got to have is the will of God. If I got the will of God, man, I'm good, right? Everything else, you know, whatever toys or things I think I got to have, or I got to have, you know, this, you know, um, it, it just ain't so, amen? Uh, and so, well, let's get ready to receive uh, this morning's. Uh, actually, we're going to have communion first, right? It is the beginning of the month, so you okay for taking just a minute and receiving the communion? You're just doing that. I'm going to open up here. So the communion is just, you know, it's the the, uh, um, ordinance that the Lord had given to us here. Um, And he said in um, Luke chapter 22, it says in verse 19, and he took bread and gave thanks and he broke it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you this do in remembrance of me. So uh, part of why we receive the bread and the juice is to remember what the Lord has done for us. Amen. Uh, in And he says in verse 20, likewise also the cup uh, after supper saying, uh, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So uh, so that's how we know that the bread represents his body and the juice represents the blood of Jesus is Jesus told us that, right? So um and, and so it's good to remind ourselves what the Lord has done for us. Amen. It's good to remind ourselves that his body was broken for us, that every stripe that he took on his back was taken uh, for our benefit. Right. Uh, nothing he did was, was was wasted. Right. He didn't just take stripes just to be tough guy. Right. He took stripes so that uh, he would pay for our sickness and disease. Amen. So every sickness and disease that's on the earth today has been paid for as far as the healing of that by the work of the Lord Jesus. So uh, this whole idea that people say that God made me sick or God wanted me to be sick doesn't make any sense that if Jesus gave his body, but then God wants you to be sick, then God doesn't want you to take advantage of the body that Jesus said was given for you, right? That, do- that doctrine gets to be crazy really quick. Yeah, but how many people in a church believe that, right? Uh, well, you know, sometimes God just wants you to be sick. Uh, and so. But that can't hardly be so uh, if Jesus did this. And then he said to remind ourselves that he did this for us, right? Uh, And so, uh, you know, most of the church loves the juice part, right? The shedding of the blood, the washing away of their sins, right? I mean, every, I mean, I can't imagine any Christian church who doesn't believe in the blood of Jesus, right? I mean, I wonder if they're even a Christian church if they don't believe in the blood of Jesus. But they've got this other little inconvenient thing, the bread, right? It represents his body, right? And so, you know, you can't just... Well, the, the body was the shedding of the blood. Well, that's what the juice is for. So Jesus is smarter than all of us, isn't he? Uh, now, he could, have, he could have told us to remind ourselves about anything, right? He could have given us a, a, a potato chip or a pickle or anything to, you know, to represent some other part of the covenant. But he gave us the bread and the juice. And he said, these are two things that are very important. Not the only thing of the covenant, but two things that are very important to remind yourselves about on a regular basis. And so, you know, the blood of Jesus... How many people just think they're unworthy and no count, of no value? You know, this right here washed all your sins away. And, and uh, you know, you think, it's, you think it's capable of washing away any stains that you might have? I mean, this blood's pretty powerful, right? If you think your sins are more powerful than, than, than this blood right here, then um, uh, we need to send you back to remedial school, right? Uh, now, this, this blood that it's not actually blood, right? But it represents the blood of Jesus. It's capable of cleansing you from what? All unrighteousness, right? And so you can stand before the Lord clean because of this, not because of your wonderful personality and good works, but because of the faith that we have and what he's done for us, amen? And so let's pray and thank the Lord for uh, uh, the communion today. So Father, we do thank you for this bread. You said in your word, Father, it represents your body, Father. Uh, and you said it was given for us. That your body was, was a, an offering on our behalf. And so, Father, we thank you that you were willing to do that, that you were willing to yield and give up your body that, uh, that was created uh, by the Father in heaven for you to live in on this earth. And you chose to give it to us, Father, and to give it for us so that we can live lives uh, free from sickness and disease. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And by faith, we receive this bread, believing that we can live. Uh, fully and completely free from all sickness and disease in Jesus' name. And, Father, we thank you for this juice, which represents your blood, Father. And you said this blood washes away all of our sins. So, Father, there's nothing that we've ever done, no mistake we've ever made, no sin we've ever committed that's more powerful and more stain-resistant than the washing of your blood. And so, Father, because of this blood, we declare that we are clean by the blood which was given to us. And, Father, we repent and we can't of any sin that we've ever committed. And we thank you that your blood will wash away all of that unrighteousness and we can stand before you without spot or blemish. And we give you the praise for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all right. Are we clean? We are clean. Amen. Uh, Because of the blood of Jesus. And are we healed, too? We're healed by his body. Amen. And so, praise God. Well, the Lord is good. And so, um, let's see. We're going to take just a minute to, to uh, uh, kind of shift gears here. And then we'll have our uh, business meeting here. And Chris will come up here and uh, just go through the numbers. Usually, it only takes 10 or 15 minutes tops. You know, it depends on how many questions you've got, right? Uh, And then, uh, and if it's okay, we'll show you just kind of the designs of what we want to do in the sanctuary, and get any feedback from you guys on that as well. So, um, all right, well, we'll dismiss and and, uh, oh, we 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 haven't received the offering. Okay, uh, you got time for to receive the offering? Okay, well, let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give today. Well, Father, we do thank you for uh, blessing us each and every day, and Father, we thank you for the opportunity to receive an offering on your behalf. Uh, We thank you, Father, that your kingdom will be advanced because we sow into it, and we give you the praise and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um. <laughs> uh, the Krakens the, uh, the have been released, right? So, <laughs> All right. Um, well, Chris, if you want to come ahead, I'm going to go back that way. She's going to come up this way, because she'll run through all those, uh, that information there for you, and then we'll get that... Uh, uh, we'll get that uh, Uh, design and stuff up there on the screen there for you so all right we'll see y'all in a minute